are in a series, if you're new, we just, we spend a few weeks talking about a specific theme, usually with an intended goal. Uh, This series, we do at least once a year, and the series has one goal, one goal, one specific goal, and it's the title of the series. So what is the goal of the series? Say it out loud. Yeah, the goal of the series is the title of the series. How ironic, right? We want to make it really clear. This is the goal. That no matter what we talk about, no matter what sermons we give, no matter what happens in the next 35 minutes or so, that you would be challenged, you would be inspired, you would be be convicted to read your Bible, right? Why does it matter? Well, it matters to us from a church standpoint and from uh, the leading of a church standpoint because uh, Christian ignorance is on the rise, okay, in our culture. And I don't mean to say that in a, in a negative, mean way. I mean true form of ignorance, okay, meaning that you don't know what you don't know because you haven't read it and you don't know it, right? That's, that's true. You know what someone told you the Bible says. You know what someone has, has blogged about what the Bible says. You know what the culture and the media tells you what they think the Bible says, but you don't read it, therefore you don't know. Or you have small slivers of context, you know, of half a verse out of context is just just enough to destroy you, really, sadly, especially in our current climate and current culture. So we want to, we're challenging you because this this is a big deal. Christian ignorance is a big deal. The worst part about Christian ignorance is that they will still claim to know. And that's the worst part of ignorance is for someone to claim to know who doesn't know what they don't know because they don't know, Right? And the next thing that really does matter is apathy. The further and further and further you spend in your Christian life and in your faith not reading what God actually has to say causes you to actually become more and more apathetic to the things that God wants you to care about. Like, is it really all that big a deal to stay sexually pure in your life? Does it matter that we help the poor? Does it matter that we, we surround those and, and put others' needs before our own? Does, it, does that really matter? And I'm telling you, you can hear me or another preacher or a, read an inspiring poem or something that inspires you for a moment, challenges you for a moment, convicts you for a moment, but it won't last. Because you're not really reading his word. You're not really taking time to let God speak to you so that you can care about what he cares about. So that's a big deal for us. So this is, we try to not make it too elementary, too vacation Bible school, uh, but the purpose of these sermons is not necessarily to exegete the passage to you, okay? I'm not going to drop any huge doctrinal knowledge. I'm not going to give you any huge precepts in terms of scripture. That's not the purpose of the sermons and the series. We have a Bible study that does that for you, all right? And if you haven't already gone through this or started this, this is something that Jim did for us again this year. And I'm telling you, he, you know, even for me, even for me who has read Second and Third John and stuff that I've just kind of glazed over because it's hard to get certain, you know, it's it's like it feels limited in terms of practical, useful application. I mean, he squeezed water from rocks. Let me just tell you, this is incredible. All right, so please take advantage of this. And if you know how to study the Bible better than the way we're describing it to you and better than the way to read it, that's great. I would love to eat lunch with you and here and you could teach me. That'd be fantastic. The best thing that we can do for you is not only challenge you to do it, but maybe you're discipling someone right now and you're having a hard time finding a good way to get them to connect with how to read the Bible. Maybe something we're going to go over this series will help you. 
So we've been, just a quick uh, recap, Donnie kicked us off, giving you the, the kind of the, the method, if you will, of observe, interpret, and apply. Very easy to observe things, to interpret how you, how you can walk through and interpret things, challenging you to apply them. Last week, Pastor Chris said, you know, just look for the big ideas. And he actually walked you through and helped you understand the big ideas that just jump out sort of off the page, right? This week, I'm going to give you a version of something we've taught here before, which is the SOAP method, okay? The S-O-A-P journaling method. And I call it the journaling method because that's what it is. Today, I'm going to give you the informal non-journaling version of the SOAP method. Just to give you a quick recap, SOAP means scripture, choosing your scripture, the observations again, like Donnie, the application and prayer. Very simple. SOAP, scripture, observation, application, prayer. And it's a great way to journal on a page, S-O-A-P, and go through and have morning devotions and have opportunity to read. Now, what I'm going to share with you is not the way I study for a sermon. I actually might do that on a, on a video this week, just share with you how I get to this. Maybe that's of interest to you. Maybe you don't care. Don't watch it. That's fine, all right? Um, I might do that just to show you the difference. But today I'm going to share with you just, just a, something that was taught to me years ago. And it's very informal when I sit down to read, whether it's in the morning or in the afternoon. Sometimes uh, everybody has that afternoon lull where you get really unmotivated to do any work, right? Nod your head. Are you with me? Yes? Yeah, don't, don't, don't think. I'm not the only one, right? Okay. Middle of the afternoon. Some of you guys just drink coffee. That's fine, okay? You know, but I, sometimes we'll read. That's sometimes what I do. Just kind of kickstarts me and activates. I still get sleepy, but the point is I, I will try to read because I'm not motivated to do anything else, right? So this is, this is what I call the take a drive reading plan, all right? Everybody say take a drive. Take a drive. This is a very simple concept of how to approach reading scripture. We're going to take a drive. How many of you guys remember what Sunday drives were when you were a kid, right? Maybe you still do it. Yeah, you st- might still do it. Maybe you do it on vacation, when you go out on vacation and you, you know, you've, not, you've not been exploring, so you all pile in the car and you, you take a drive, right? No real destination plan. You're just exploring. You're just looking. You're just, you're just taking a drive, right? Now, this is the way in which I approach sometimes just, just reading, just reading God's word and wanting him to, 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 to just kind of download into me what he wants to tell me. And so this is a very simple, informal, again, informal plan called Take a Drive. Now, if you're going to use your imagination, you might as well imagine that you're driving something incredible, all right? So this is a nice dream car for me. It's classified officially as an SUV tank, so that's my dream car, right? Maybe yours is a souped-up convertible or something like that. It's fine. But hey, why not? If we're already going to use our imaginations this morning, let's just use our imaginations. Whatever car suits your fancy. I mean, my minivan can get me there, don't get me wrong, but I like that better. All right. We're going to take a drive. Very first thing, there's five things to walk you through, is to choose your route. Now, this would be just like, hey, I'm going to start reading the Gospels again, or I'm going to go back and read some Psalms, or I'm going to go do, just choose your route. doesn't matter. Now, for me, we're in the series. We're going through the first, second, and third letters, books of John the disciple. And so, for me, I already had this planned out, right? First John. Today, we're looking at First John chapter 4 and chapter 5. So, that's, that's my route, all right? Just my route. Just, you just have to know where you're going. North, south, heading towards the mountains, heading towards the coast, doesn't matter. Heading to the side of town. Just choose your plan. Number two. Now, two, three, and four, just to let you know, 
It's not in any particular order. I just put it in the order that we're going to see today as we read through some of the scripture and some of the parts of 1 John. First thing I want you to notice is the directional signs and the warning signs. All right? Directional signs and warning signs. Now, you guys recognize all these, right? You need to pay attention to these things. Hazard ahead. Road closed, right? How about this one? One way. Yeah, pay attention to that sign, right? One way. Do not enter. Now, these are important, and when you're reading, when you start picking up a passage to read, and you're going to take a drive, there's going to be. There's going to be directional signs. There's going to be warning signs. You can notice them by things like, you know, uh, you know do not or make sure or always, right? Just so happens in where we pick up in 1 John 4, it's filled <laughs> with warning and direction signs. Let's go through this part. 1 John chapter 4 says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have, lowercase s on purpose, the Spirit they have actually comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. You've heard this already starting to get talked about in the beginning of, of 1 John and, and throughout what Chris talked about. Keep going. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. He says, but if someone claims to be a prophet but does not actually acknowledge the truth about who Jesus is, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit, lowercase s, of the Antichrist, meaning that they're, they're anti what, what Christ is saying, what Christ is bringing. And it says, which you've heard is coming into the world. You guys know it's coming, and it's already here. So we're not talking about in times figure. We're talking about the spirit of this. And it says, if you belong to God, my dear children... You've already won a victory over these people. Why? Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit, lowercase s, that lives in the world. And he says, but those people belong to this world. They speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. That's, that's a big, big verse right there. Those who speak from the world's viewpoint, the world listens to them. Keep going. But we who belong to God and those who know God listen to us. If they did not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Well, there's so much here. And, and I, I classify all of these verses as warnings, directional signs, pay attention, do not enter, watch out for, be cautious, right? Right? They're yellow signs. They're things that as, as you read and as you're kind of contemplating things like, okay, that's, that's a big deal to test the spirits. And there's a whole, I could do a whole sermon just on the discerning because there's an aspect of even a gift that God gives us, the discerning of spirits to tell whether or not some, this is his charge to everyone though, but it's saying, listen, when you hear somebody talk, there's so many people that want to lead you in a false way. You have to test what they're saying. You have to test the spirits that, 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 that might be behind those words. He goes on at the end to say, could be the spirit of deception. And if you look at the root of that, the, the, the reality is, is that that deception is a broad word. It's not just like intentional trying to deceive you, like nefarious. You guys with me, right? 
It actually means the spirit of deception, which could also mean self-deception, which means that the people saying something to you might really believe that it's true, but they are self-deceived. And you have to be very, very careful in terms of testing the spirits when you listen to people who claim to be talking about you know, Christ and, and talking about Christian things that they're actually from God. Now, again, you got to read the Bible to know what it says. You got to know, you got to be able to read to know what it's saying to you, to challenge that, to, to compare that. But you need to know not everybody who's speaking about Christian things actually may be speaking from the place of God, that it's actually the truth of the word of God that could be self-deceived. Not everybody who has your best interest at heart really has your best interest at heart. So there's things to see there. There's warnings. There's, there's, you're going to see that while you read Scripture. When you see those kinds of phrases come up, pay attention. They're there for your safety. They're there for your benefit as you read. Just like taking a drive to see those warning signs and to pay attention to them. The third is scenic spots and overlooks, all right? Now, this is, this is the case for any drive. You know, take a drive. Everybody say, take a drive. Get yourself in your, in your dream car, okay? No matter where you go, there's always going to be something that you see that like, oh, I didn't, you know, it could be a historical building downtown. It could be, you know, an old, old farm out in the middle of a countryside. It could be like, um, I went on the uh, Blue Ridge Parkway, this past week, and you know, they have those scenic overlooks. You know what I'm talking about? Those scenic overlooks. And I took a picture of one. This is one that I took a picture of because I was just enamored by this site. This is a section of the Blue Ridge that I'd not driven before. And, and I was pulled over here because I was like, oh, that's so cool. And I saw this bridge kind of riding the side of the mountain. I thought that was really cool. And then, now I stopped to take a picture because once you get up there and are on, you're on the bridge, there's no place to stop. And you should not be taking pictures while you're driving on that bridge. Okay, that's wisdom, right? But so you'll, you'll have things like this, little scenic overlooks, little, little spots that just kind of catch your eye. And this is similar to what Don and, and Chris talked about with the observation and big ideas that as you read, you know, you, you'll be reading and driving along and driving along and you stop because... You'll notice something. Something will hit you, and you'll want to stop and pay attention to that. So as we continue through 1 John 4, let's, let's look at some of those spots. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Hmm. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This is my first overlook, right? This is my first stop because I'll be honest, the, the words being used there are pretty powerful to me. As I'm reading along, there's so many places I could stop, but just asking the question, well, this is real love. So what is real love? There's going to be some defining things in this, in this passage. There's going to be some ways in which it's defined. There's going to be this place where it says God is love, and he's not just the source of it. He's the definition of it. 
And so maybe you stop for a while. That's the best part about these, these scenic spots, these overlooks. You can stop and take it in. Like I, just this past week when I was up at the Blue Ridge, it was just me. I had the fortune advantage. It was just me for a couple days. And I drove it. And I had my uh, camping chair in the back of the car. So I just got out, grabbed my chair, sat down where everybody else is there. And they all stare at me weird. And that's fine. I'm fine with that, right? Because I wanted to sit there for a little bit. Take it in, pray, just listen to God. It's amazing. And there are times when I'm reading things like this that I'll stop and I'll just stay for a while. Or maybe like Don said in week one, it just shoots you off on a whole other trail of commentaries and study and, and opportunity to understand maybe what you've read a little bit better. So you can stay as long as you want. That's, that's the key. Now for the purpose of today, I'm going to keep going because we have passages. We have a drive we're taking, Okay. I'll keep going to the next one. Dear friends, you know, last week Chris said, they, he, dear children, he actually uses dear friends here. Since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if you love each other, or if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us the Spirit as proof that we live in him and him in us. Furthermore, we've seen with our very own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And all who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid of the day of judgment. We can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. I'll stop here because, man, this is another one of those spots, right? Another, another scenic overlook for me. I've, dri I've driven for a while. I've taken in so much. And I'll stop for a minute just to, just to see that, see that scene what is real love? It's sacrificial. It's, it's God loving us first. And then there's this idea that, that our love, okay, my love for my wife, my love for my kids, my love for my, my staff and my leaders, my love for this church, my love for others can grow, can come to a full expression. It can continue to grow and get more and more like Jesus. What a beautiful goal, right? What a beautiful, what a beautiful target on the wall to shoot for, <laughs> So that's a spot I'm going to sit at for a while. I'm going to continue to take a drive. It's a good long drive. Such love has no fear. Okay, this love that we've been sitting on, thinking about, praying about, because perfect love expels all fear, casts out fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other. Because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. And if we don't love people who we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command, warning sign, direction sign, right? Those who love God must also love their fellow believer. Now, I'm going to stop at this spot, but not really because I want to, okay? 
I'm going to stop at this spot because the moment I see it, the moment it resonates within me, all I can think about are those people. Okay? Those people. Every one of us has our own those people. And to be honest, just sharing with you as your pastor, I argue with God sometimes when I read scripture. Okay? Now that's just, I'm not in a disrespectful way, but just God already knows my heart. If I get upset about something, he already knows it. I might as well say it. Everybody nod your head if you're with me, right? So I argue with God sometimes. And I'll read verses like that. And I'll see the challenge. And it's not a head knowledge thing. Oh, I've got the verses. I'm your pastor. I can quote a lot of verses about how you're supposed to love one another. But when I hear a verse like this that says, yeah, you got to love other believers because that's the way that works. How can you love other believers that you, you, you know, not love the ones you see and then claim to love God who you can't see? And I want to argue with God and say, God, let me just tell you something. The reason those people come to mind is because I can see them. <laughs> I can see what they said on social media. I can see what they claim to believe. I can see how they're choosing to live their life. I can even see some of them, not even intentionally, leading other people's astray. Yeah, God, I know why I don't like them. Because I can see them. But I have to stop and let the challenge come. He's okay with those arguments. He's okay with pushback. I mean, he's God. He's right. So, you know, he doesn't care what I say. It's, it's for my benefit to, to wrestle, right? To wrestle with Scripture. And listen, this is where you got to be careful. Because sometimes when we take a drive, everybody say, take a drive. Yeah, sometimes when we're taking a drive and these thoughts come and, boy, you start reading a scripture like this. And it's very easy to not stop at that scenic place or whatever. It's easy to go, ho, ho, look at the time. I got to get back to, let's just keep going. Let's just drive on past this as fast as possible and forget what I saw as quickly as I can. And that got to tell you, God already knows. He already, the Spirit already prompted you. You ain't fooling anybody by flying by that scenic spot. You might as well stop. You might as well ask the questions. You might as well take the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to wrestle on you what it means. What does it mean for you and for me? Keep going. Sorry, just I'll keep going. This is a lot of driving here. Everyone who believes that Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, has become a child of God. And everyone who believes, or sorry, who loves the Father, loves his children too. There's another one. We know that, sorry, I keep going back. I didn't finish reading that. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Keep going. Loving God means, that's another directional sign. That's another definition statement. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Okay? Now, I'm going to stop here because I don't like that verse either. I'm going to remember that Jesus said, all who are weary, come and I'll give you rest. The burden I give you is light. So I'm going to remember that John is speaking the truth. He's speaking the word of truth to me. But I'm also going to struggle with if loving God means living life God's way and that his, his burden, right, his, his way is not going to be a burden to me, 
then I have to now search and reflect why are some of the things that I don't like a burden to me? Why are some of those things a burden to me? I'm going to come to the conclusion that the reality is, is that a surrendered heart and a surrendered life, God's way is not a burden to you. But if I have certain things that I've not surrendered to him, because we all like to categorically surrender things to God, well, I'll surrender my heart. I'll surrender my eternity, not my relationship, not this dating relationship, not this marriage, not my sexuality, not my work. I'll surrender everything else. And then I start reading things and I start getting into passages and, hey, loving God means you, you, you obey his, his commands. You live his way. Oh, yeah, I, know, I knew that. And just remember that his way is light and then I have to wrestle with, man, where is it not feeling very light right now? Where is it feeling a burden? I already know it's a burden to love those people. That's already a burden that I need to be challenged with. You want to read and see these scenic spots, these things, these observations. I'm telling you, every time I go back to this, I might stop somewhere else. I might, when I take a drive again, I go, you know what, I'm going to drive through John again. I might see something else. You know, God might, you know, it might just be the perfect day where the sun comes through the trees and hits this certain field just right. And I stop there because I've never stopped there before. And there's a whole wealth of stuff God wants to tell me there. That's what's the great part about taking a drive. Maybe there's something fresh and new every time in his living, breathing, active word. Okay, so we have warning signs. We have these directional signs. We're also going to have these scenic spots and overlooks, okay? But now I'm going to show you one more thing. This is, again, not in any particular order. When you take a drive, you also got to make sure that you recognize the compass points or the, the GPS that you have. I was trying to map. Most children don't know what I'm talking about with a map. You'll never understand. Anyway, folding a map out, trying your best to find like two streets that connect so you can find where you are on the map. Okay? My kids will never understand this. That's okay. They have a GPS. Use their phone. Use Google. It'll tell you where you are. That's really important. Okay? Scripture has all of these things in there. Mile markers and anchors. And things when you're reading that you can recognize that are things that give you, you know, the absolute truth and the things you can be sure of and the things that are there to make sure that you remember where you are so you don't drift and you don't float off somewhere else, okay? So in however, whatever language you want to use, matter of fact, I'll read one that we already passed that I would consider to be a compass or mile marker for our GPS. This is back in chapter 4. God has given us his spirit as, what's the word? <coughs> Proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now we testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. Guys, that's a mile marker, right? That's an anchor. Those are the things that we read and it just continues to put things in our heart that lets us know this is truth. This is absolute truth. And you know, it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a surprise that this is anchored in the midst of the love verses. Why? Because John knew, you know, even, even then he knew. 
I'm going to talk about love for a while. And as people hear us talk about love, as we now in this century, as we read those verses about love, if we do not pay attention to the anchors, if we do not pay attention to where we are in terms of our GPS, then I can start reading about love, but I'm going to start drifting and floating away to a philosophical worldview of what they think love is, and I'm going to read Scripture through that lens. That love is, love is a choice. You know, love has no gender, right? Love the one you're with. All you need is love. You know what I'm talking about? And you might be on this drive, but if you're not paying attention, you can drift easily away from the truth, away from the absolute truth. As Donnie said, Scripture interprets Scripture, and you can start viewing it all from a worldly lens, and you can get a song stuck in your head, as I know that one is right now. You're welcome. Does that make sense? That's why these verses matter. He actually chooses to end his letter, this first letter, with a lot of declarative, you know, mile marker type verses. He goes through in chapter five and talks about how we see, we saw his, he's talking about himself. He said, we saw his baptism. We saw his crucifixion. We saw the spirit come and testify over Jesus. So not only do we testify about Jesus, God testifies through Jesus, who he is. Here's a couple more. He says, this is what God has testified. He's given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. So whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. Doesn't that ring true of I am the way, the truth, and the life? This is all going to ring true to what Jesus has said. Keep going. We know that the son of God has come, that he's given us understanding so that we can know the true God. So that we can know. Keep going. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. Mile marker, mile marker, mile marker. These are the things that root us to the absolute truth of the word of God. It's where scripture interprets scripture. And it's what we all need so that we don't drift when we're reading. So when we don't drift when we're taking a a drive to a culture's view or a worldview that's not biblical. And then I had to read this. This is the last verse of this letter. Dear children, again, right? Keep away, warning, right? From anything that might take God's place in your hearts. I don't, I don't know how you can finish. I don't know how you can finish this drive, finish this passage and not recognize a huge warning sign. Guys, keep away. Keep away from anything. Anything. It's going to be an idol. It's going to take God's place in here. Stay away from that. The fifth one, the last one, is again, part of this is the prayer and you know application piece, but you're going to drive home, right? We took a drive. Everybody say, take a drive. Yeah, this is simple. We're going to recognize, we're going to choose where we're going. We're going to see the warning signs and the 
directional signs. We're going to pay attention to those things. We're going to have some great scenic overlooks to see. We're going to have some wonderful mile markers to remind us where we are and who we are and who we are in him and what he is and as God testifies about who he is for us. <laughs> but then we got to drive home, right? And you know the great thing about driving home is maybe you take another route. Maybe it's a little less scenic. Maybe you drive the same way home a little bit faster. You, you, you drive in such a way that you'll pass that spot that you, st- you stop for a while. You'll drive in such a way that you, you know, you remember that challenge. God said to love those people. Mm, those people. Right? So this is where, this word, and I know the Eastern culture has taken it, meditation. I'll use the words that, I don't know, I use is thought prayer. Thought prayer. It's the idea that as I'm thinking, as I'm processing, I'm also kind of praying. Nod your head if anybody else does this, right? That's part of what meditation is. It's kind of thought prayer. So as I'm driving home, that's part of what I do in my reading. Because I just kind of like, I'm thinking. And sometimes I'm asking questions. Sometimes I'm talking out loud. Prayer is not always a, a, you know, a huge formal monologue of our needs to God. I'd say majority of the time, it's, it's just prayer. It's just thinking. It's, it's intentional thoughts with and to God. So here's some questions that'll probably come to mind on my drive home. Testing the spirits. It does not come from God. This is going to be something I'll wrestle with my whole life. How do you do this? How do you appropriately challenge the things you've heard and challenge the, man, just challenge seeds that have been deposited through things you've read and things you've heard and things people have said that may not be true. They may not have the spirit of truth in them. You got to be able to discern those things and test the spirits. What is real love? It's going to be a question I'm going to wrestle with. <laughs> loving God equals loving fellow believers. I know what it says. I know what it says. I'm going to try. I can't wait for my love to grow more perfect, right? As I abide in him and live in him. And this last one, this question that we need to ask, what what takes God's place in my heart? What is it? What are some of the things that, boy, so easily 
take God's place. What is that for you? This is your drive home. And guys, this can be 10 minutes. This can be 30. It doesn't have to be, again, some formal thing, but as you approach the Word of God, as you read the Word, just take a drive. Choose your route. Pay attention to those, those things. Don't forget to drive home. Don't forget on that way back, you're, you're interpreting and you're praying through, and maybe some of these questions are prompting application for you. My prayer is that you'd read your Bible. That as you read your Bible, it would prompt you more and more and more to want to read your Bible. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that as we read it, as we understand it, as we process it, as we pray and think, you, by your spirit, do an incredible work in us, life-changing, transforming work in our hearts and in our minds. God, I pray today that if anything is helpful, God, that your spirit would do a work in, the, in everybody who's here, everybody who's watching online, everybody who's watching later, that they would begin to read your word. And I also pray, God, that if anything was just fluff or just because it's me and how I approach you and it doesn't work for them, God, that they would just, you know, it's a, it's a good morning. God, just pass that out of their mind. Give them some tools in this process, in this series, that would help them take the steps they need to take in order to begin to read their Bible. And God, it's because of your grace that we have your word at our disposal. God, let us never take it for granted. In your name, Jesus. Amen.